morning, everyone. Nice to see you. Uh, nice to welcome you again to those of you watching on live stream. Let's pray before we open God's word, shall we? Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now to ask you to open your word to us and speak through its pages as we continue our study in the church. We thank you for your church, for the fact that it is the bride of Christ and is the body of Christ. Bless us by your presence now, we ask. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth, be acceptable in your sight, Lord, we ask. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If your Bible were with you, perhaps you'd like to turn with me. Two passages I'd like to read, first of all, in Romans chapter 12, the first eight verses, and then a few pages on. You might want to put your finger in it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be reading the whole chapter. So Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to the faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the passage we're going to be looking at is embedded in this chapter, but I want to read the whole chapter to place it in a context. 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There were different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There were different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There were different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Greeks or Jews, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And Paul goes on to talk about love, which binds it all together and gives us a true focus. May God bless to us the reading of his word as we come to it. Two weeks ago, we embarked on an eight-part series entitled, What is the Church? Jonathan led us through the introduction with an interview, with an overview of what the church is by reminding us that first and foremost, the churches are people who are called out. For that's what ecclesia means, a people who are called, firstly, out of darkness. This is how the apostle Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The second element of being called out is that we are called out of our homes to physically meet together. There's another feature of the meaning of the word ecclesia. In Acts 2, verses 42 and 46, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So the church is a people who are called out. Secondly, the church is a spiritual family, not a secular institution or organization. This can be clearly seen in the 1 Peter 2, 9 passage that we just quoted. But you are a chosen people, chosen by God, a royal priesthood. You've been set aside, a holy nation, holy unto God, God's special possession. The church is clearly seen as firstly 
the bride of Christ. When you have time, read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 33, where Paul speaks about the mystery of the marriage relationship, which was intended to be a reflection of the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. And secondly, as the body of Christ, Romans, 5, uh, Romans 12, verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Jonathan reminded us that we are created by Christ and for Christ. In view of this, it's important that we seek to live in the reality of these truths. In the church of Jesus Christ, we are there to, therefore to treat one another with great respect, in humility, and with patient understanding. Why? Because we are each at different stages of spiritual maturity. And while we may have reached a certain stage, we may find others are struggling with more fundamental issues. Therefore, we are to exercise patience with understanding. As members of the household of God, we are called to exhibit in our lives the fruit of the Spirit of God in all we do and say. We are to allow the Spirit to so work in our lives that the outward expression of his internal activity is seen in the fruit we bear, in all of its wholeness and completeness. So the church is a people who are called out. It's a spiritual family. And thirdly, it's a people who are continually filled with the Holy Spirit and who bear the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Bill Slack helpfully led us to answer the question, who's in charge of the church? by clearly outlining the fact that God in Christ is the head of his church, reminding us that this is not our church, this is not my church, but it's God's church. God is the supreme Lord of the church. The origin of the church is in Jesus, and the life of the church derives from Jesus. Not only does Christ have supremacy in the church, but he also has supremacy over the leaders, including the pastors, elders, and deacons and reminded us that Christ is in charge, not the members. And so we come to the third study in the series, entitled, Where Do I Belong in the Church? Which I've been tasked to address this morning. When you ponder the word belong, I wonder, what, wonder if your mind at times wanders into the reaches of the universe, and as you consider the vastness of countless solar systems, you may wonder, where do I belong in all this? Maybe your view of life is a road on which you journey. And you're looking for a place where you can really feel at home and truly belong. <clears throat> or maybe as you consider the question, where do I belong in the church? You feel that you can't possibly belong because you're too unworthy. You know what you really like inside, and like Groucho Marx, you don't want to belong to any club or organization that would have you as a member. Or maybe, maybe you've heard that being part of a church is important, because everyone has a part to play. But you're not convinced that every part would actually be of any value, of some value. In fact, you may be able to relate to the Agnes Day comic strip here, the Agnes Day comic strip. And for those of you who can't see it clearly, I think this body parts idea is really cool. Yeah, everyone plays a part and every part is necessary. Well, except for the appendix. 
I wonder who's the appendix. Or perhaps you can't relate to any of these uncertainties in your strong spiritual life. Perhaps you're one of those people who gets up and faces the devil's attack in the strength that Jesus gives, just like this little guy. Wherever you see yourself today, and with all of that by way of introduction, I want to try and unpack this question of where do I belong in the church? As we consider this question, the most important thing to bear in mind is that entry into God's family, his church, and membership of that family is by, in, and through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a God thing. As we try to address this question, I hope that we'll be helped by looking at a list of five items. There will be some overlap, but hopefully this will only help to reinforce the truths contained therein. So here's the list, and please don't panic. First of all, there are four things to be clear about. Secondly, there are three things we cannot say. Thirdly, there are three things God has done. There are four, three dangers to avoid. And finally, there are four ways to help discover our gifts. So let's get started. Four things that we need to be clear about. Number one, membership is by grace through faith in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter two, verses four, to five and verse eight, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace, he reminds us again in verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Membership is not something we do, but it is something God does for us. We cannot save ourselves. God has saved us in Christ. If you want to become a member of the local church, you first have to be a member of the universal church, the body of Christ around the world made up of men and women, boys and girls from almost every nation on earth who have placed their faith in Christ alone for salvation and whose sins have been paid for by the blood of Christ in his death on the cross. I use the word almost every nation advisedly. For the time is coming when the gospel of the kingdom of God will be preached to every nation on earth. Listen to what Jesus said recorded for us in Matthew 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. This truth that Christ will return once the gospel has been proclaimed to all nations of the world has spurred the work, the work of world missions for decades. Maybe that encourages us, or rather may that encourage us, to pray faith-filled prayers for the expansion of the church of Jesus Christ among the unreached nations and peoples of our world today. It's God's plan. It's God's will. Therefore, let's pray it in faith although it's a hard task. Number two, in the body of Christ, there is unity in diversity. There is no division in the diversity. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. It's clear from this passage 
that there is no ethnic, cultural, social, or economic status that can or should divide the body of Christ. And we are to live by that truth within the body. Thirdly, we all belong in the body and to the body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This verse comes at the end of three verses that picture the proper functioning of the body when every part fulfills its function as intended. Starting with verse 12, which speaks of the body as a unit with many parts, it goes on to describe the conversations between various parts of the body to illustrate in their view that because they aren't that part, therefore they don't belong to the body. Verse 15 to 17, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? In other words, every part of the body belongs to the body. And every part of the body belongs in the body. Whatever part you play in the body of Christ here in Hamilton, you belong in the body. And you belong to the body. Simply put, you belong here. If for whatever reason, whatever reason, you might not belong here or you think you might, might not belong here, then you should have a good reason for believing this. One thing you can be clear about, if you are part of the body of Christ, a member of his worldwide church, then you definitely do belong in the body and you do belong to the body, the body of Christ. Lastly in this list, number four, we are mutually dependent in other words, the body cannot function as it should if one member does not play their part or fulfill their function. 1 Corinthians 12, 17, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? It's clear that in order for the body to function as it is intended, it requires each part of the body to fulfill its intended purpose. Maybe you're one of those with a good eye. A good eye for color or design. And you can immediately spot when a color scheme fits or when it clashes. But you've got no sense of smell. So you gather a small team around you, just like you, with a good eye but no nose, and you meet in the kitchen to, discover the to, to discuss the colors and textures for the next planned kitchen upgrade. Don't panic. This is just a wee story. Three weeks ago... Someone left a milk carton in one of the cupboards, and in the heat, over time, it expanded, fell over, and spilt, with milk running everywhere. But you and your team have no sense of smell and calmly continue to discuss colors and textures until someone with a sense of smell walks into the kitchen. Then all of a sudden, there's an uproar. Didn't any of you smell the milk? For goodness sake, who left that there? You can imagine the scene. So here's the thing about being mutually dependent. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? That's my paraphrase. We all have different things we can contribute, but we need each other. Okay, so now we come to number two in the list. Four things we cannot say. Number one, I don't need you. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. As we've already seen, we each need each other if we are to function well as a body. And when we look at the metaphor of the body, it's plain to see that each part needs the other. Number two, I have nothing to contribute. I cannot say I have nothing to contribute. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 22, 23. On the contrary, it says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And, all, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. I wonder if you ever feel like one of those, one of life's pinkies. That little finger that doesn't really do anything. It, does, it doesn't wear a ring. It lacks power for lifting. Well, maybe some people wear a ring. It lacks power for lifting. It sticks out when you drink a cup of tea with a cup. What use really is it? Well, we had a very good friend called Stuart Moulds, who's a missionary for many years in Indonesia. And he told the story of um, one of the customs in Indonesia. And when you take a glass of water, and offer it to someone as you would do in a hot country like Indonesia, you would never do it like that. Because that's just not the way you do it. But you do it like this. You take a paper doily and you place it under the cup and you hold it with your pinky and you pass it to the person. And that's how you do it. That's the kind, that's the proper, that's the culturally sensitive way of passing someone a glass of water. So what's the value of the pinky? In order to be culturally sensitive, it's of critical value. I have nothing to contribute. Feel like you're the pinky? You have a lot still to contribute. Number three, I can do everything. The other extreme, some people may be very gifted, and indeed they think they can do everything. But scripture makes it clear that's not the case in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30. And God has placed in the church first, all, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The clear answer expected here is no. Christians have different gifts, and no one gift should be expected by everyone, nor should one person be expected to have all the gifts. So it's clear that Scripture teaches here that we've got to get on and do the thing we've been gifted in and watch how the Lord encourages others to use their gifts where ours are lacking. So you can't say, I don't need you. You can't say I have nothing to contribute. You can't say I can do everything. And fourthly, you can't say I don't belong. Sometimes it can be hard to feel you belong, especially if you're not part of the in-group or clique. Cliques should not be part of church life. There is no part of any of these verses that teaches it is right or good to make people feel like an outsider for that is what a clique does. So if you are part of a clique, please leave it and look around to those around you, outside of your group, whom you, who may be feeling they don't belong. 
when in actual fact they do belong because they are part of the body of Christ. Romans 5.8 In Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to the others. They belong to your group. Don't keep them out. So having looked at four things we cannot say, what can we say about God's activity in the body? Let's now look to see what God has done for us in his body, the church. Three things God has done. First of all, number one, he has arranged your part in the body. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 18 to 20 in the ESV reads this. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The beauty of this truth is that God is the one doing the arranging. We may think we know best, but it's God who knows best where to place certain people with their gifts. It's so important when we think of church life to ask God who's best suited for this situation or for that ministry. As Bill was reminding us last week, it's important to allow time to discern God's will and seek his mind in major church decisions. It's important that we study his word, then be committed to obeying what it says, especially when it may go against the grain of, we've always done it this way. These verses teach us that God arranges things as he chooses. Number two, he has combined the members in the body. So there should be no division in it. Reading from the Amplified Bible, verses 1 Corinthians 12, verses 24 to 26, it says this. God has combined the whole body, giving greater honor to that part which lacks it, so that there should be no division or discord in the body, that is, lack of adaptation of the parts to each other, but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. And if one part suffers, all parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. God has so arranged the various members of the body so that each relate to each other in perfect harmony and function together as they should. If one is in pain, the rest feel pain. If one rejoices, the rest rejoice with it. You know how it is. If your finger is sore, the whole body knows it. God has done this so that the body remains united and is not divided against itself. And thirdly, God, he has appointed the roles and function for each member in the body. Reading again from the Amplified Bible in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. So God has appointed and placed in the church for his own use first apostles chosen by Christ, second prophets, those who foretell the future, those who speak a new message from God to the people, third teachers, then those who work miracles, then those with the gifts of healing, the helpers, the administrators, and speakers in various kinds of unknown tongues. There are two lists of spiritual gifts outlined in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 to 11 and 27 to 30 which, is, which it is not my remit to comment on today. Suffice to say God is in charge here. As we were reminded last week by Bill it's God's church 
And here's and he's the one who does the appointing. We need to be sensitive to his leading as he appoints leaders and workers in his body, the church. When you begin to dig into this passage, there's a lot to explore. And the danger is that we can that things can be misunderstood. So I'd like to suggest here three dangers to avoid. First one, other people think they know better and can try to organize us into their way of doing things or into doing things their way. What must always be kept in view is what is the Spirit of God saying in this situation? Will the fruit of the Spirit be evidenced in what I'm about to do? Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Danger number two, it's easy to feel left out of active church life. So it's important that we each keep an eye open for people on the periphery or for newcomers who don't know their way around yet. Don't forget Paul's injunction in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Make sure that everyone feels part of a church. Reflect on what was mentioned earlier about cliques and help people feel that they belong. And thirdly, don't think more highly of yourself than you should. Romans 12 verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Remember whatever skill or gift you have is just that, a gift from God. Romans 12:6a. we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. There is a warning here, not to be tempted to flaunt your gift, but rather be determined to exercise it soberly, faithfully, and thankfully. So in light of all of that, where do I belong in the church? Firstly, know that you do belong. And you belong here. So ask yourself the question, am I committed to this local body of believers? Secondly, you do have at least one gift, possibly several, to offer in the life of the church. But if you're struggling to know what that gift is, may I suggest or offer four ways to help discover your gifts? Okay, number one, ask God to give clarification and direction. As you live your life led by the Holy Spirit, ask him to direct your ways and guide your paths. Read Genesis chapter 24, when you have time and discover the amazing dramatic story of Abraham who told his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac among his kinsmen, not amongst the foreigners living nearby. And in Genesis 24 verses 12 to 14, you notice the servant's short prayer for guidance as he arrives at his destination. And verse 15 starts with the words, before he had finished speaking, 
God answered. Stand in awe at the amazing ways God guides this man right to where he needs to be, to the very person God has planned for him to meet. In verse 27 come those timeless words of praise to God for guiding him as he journeyed, best quoted in the King James Version. Pardon me for those of you who are under 40. Genesis 24 Verse 27, and he said, this is the, this, the, the servant, blessed be the Lord God of my father Abraham, my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and truth. I being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. When you're in the way, going about your normal business, in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit of God, the Lord will lead you and direct you. Number two, what things do you really enjoy doing? Exodus 35 describes people who were gifted by God to do extraordinary things. Let me quickly run through it, verses 30 to 35. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Basilel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahim, Ahim, Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. That's a long list. God gifted these people with the ability to do incredible work in a whole variety of materials, plus the ability to teach others. And they did it to produce materials for the tabernacle. What do you really enjoy doing? Number three, what things do people say you're good at? Often other people see your gifts before you do. What do others say you're good at? If they think you're good at something, try doing more of that and see what God may want to do with that gift for his glory. And lastly, ask a trusted spiritual friend to help discern your gift. We don't always get it right. And sometimes we think we're gifted in something when we're actually not. A true friend will listen, share with you, pray with you and if asked will be honest with you about their perceptions of your gifts. Once you know your gift and find your place in the body as Christ directs, then use your gift for the glory of God to encourage, support and build others up. There's that growth again that Jonathan spoke about to the children. That the body may be edified and strengthened as we grow together for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that we are in the body of Christ, that we are the body of Christ. You've brought us out of the darkness of our sin into your marvelous light. You've filled us with your Holy Spirit. You've given us new hearts, new lives. 
You've given us the guarantee of the Spirit of something that's to come, the life eternal in your presence in heaven. What a joy and a privilege we have to look forward to. And Father, today for those who are struggling because they know that perhaps that's not too far away for them, fill them with a great sense of hope and encouragement and enthusiasm that they have a wonderful future for all eternity that is secure. But Father, for those of us who are seeking to serve you here and now as you give us life and breath, Lord, help us to hear your voice. Help us to be in the way, as it were, to, to be living our lives by the Holy Spirit, that you might lead us and guide us and direct us. And build us, Lord, together. Help us to be the body. Help us to bring each other in. Help us to make one another feel valued that we might be seen as the body of Christ here in Hamilton. To your honor and glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.